Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, you have achieved a huge milestone. If you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. Now, I do know that your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate the fact that you are taking time to listen to this podcast. Every time you tune in to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, you can expect to learn actual insights to help you build a business that is worthy of a Best Places to Work award and reduce your business risk with proactive HR strategies that have real-world applications. So as you go through the Entrepreneur to Employer journey with us, I will focus on sharpening your skills on how to recruit, hire, and onboard the best people for your company, how to design training systems that work, how to establish proactive HR systems that lower your business risk, how to improve employee performance, how to lead your team through good times and bad, and how to tie your people operations into your financial milestones. So if you're ready to build a best places to work environment, let's get started. So today we are going to talk about the five common mistakes that entrepreneurs often make when they're hiring employees and starting to scale their company. What we're going to do is we're going to help you discover what those five mistakes are. I'm going to give you a simple tip on how to fix that mistake. And the last mistake, which has to do with diagnosing underperformance with an employee, I'm going to give you a little bonus session on how to properly diagnose underperformance when it's an employee issue and not a leadership issue. All right, so let's get started. All right, the top five mistakes that entrepreneurs make when hiring and scaling their company. Mistake number one that I have seen is hiring for skill and compromising on culture. Even if you're hiring employee number one, you still need to make sure that you are hiring based on the culture that you want to build and the core values that you want to see flow through your organization from hiring to onboarding to training to how you treat your customers to everything in between. So oftentimes, when an entrepreneur is getting ready to hire their first employee, and sometimes it's their second, third, fourth, or fifth, they focus on hiring for all the hard skills. They focus on just what skills does this person bring to the table And they don't look at whether or not that person is going to add value to the culture that you're trying to establish. And so when you compromise on culture, you oftentimes will hurt your culture in the long run. So here's my solution for you. Hire for your core values and be willing to compromise on your hard skills, especially those that you're good at developing. Now, that doesn't mean out of a list of 15 hard skills that are required that you compromise on all 15. At the end of the day, that candidate, that new employee has to have I'd say at least two-thirds of the skills you're looking for. But if they're missing a few skills, which let's face it, most likely they're going to because there is no such thing as an ideal candidate, right? So you're going to have to map out what skills do I absolutely have to have and what skills will I allow for a skill gap to be that I can fill or we can train on. 
Okay, so hire for the core values and compromise on skills. Last tip to this, as you go through this initial hiring process, make sure that you identify the one behavior that your company cannot tolerate and screen for that in the first interview process so that you can get rid of that candidate very quickly, right? So that one behavior that you just know your company cannot tolerate, whether that's a lack of humility, whether it's the need to always be right, figure out what that one behavior is that you absolutely cannot have in your organization and make sure you bring that to the forefront during the interview process. Mistake number two, confusing feedback for coaching. It is very easy for us to mix the two up. Giving somebody feedback is as simple as saying, hey, you didn't do that right. That's feedback, right? Being very clear that I gave you this assignment, you needed to get from A to D and you only got to B. That is feedback. Coaching is a much more elaborative process. Coaching is taking the time to say, okay, your assignment was to get us from A to D. You only got us from A to B. Let me help you learn how to get from A to B to C to D. Let's work on closing that skills gap or making sure you have the resources that you need to get from A to D. So there is a clear difference between feedback and coaching. And do not mistake the two, because if all you do is give people feedback, but you don't coach them along and bring them along in the process, they may not learn, they may not grow, they may not develop, they may not hit your expectations. So you have to have that coaching mindset. And feedback is part of coaching, but coaching is not part of feedback. So the solution, follow a basic coaching process for your conversations. Allow for employee self-assessments. So when that employee comes to you and says, I'm all done, and you say, okay, you were supposed to go from A to D, and you only went from A to B, ask that employee to say, how come you didn't get to D? What stopped you? What challenge did you have? Did you think you got to D? Maybe they think they did the complete assignment, right? Ask for an employee self-assessment. Build in those regular one-to-one conversations so that you can set up and have regular coaching conversations. On these conversations, whether it's a coaching feedback conversation, a formal one-to-one, whatever the format is, make sure you and the employee agree on the gap that needs to get closed. They only got from A to B and you need them to get to D. You and the employee need to agree on what is getting to D look like. How do we close that gap? What does that look like? Next, build a plan for training in action. If they can only get to B and you need them to get to D, build a plan so that you have a roadmap to train and make sure that you have results that they can close that skills gap and finish those assignments as expected. Last but not least, in your basic coaching process, make sure you provide balanced feedback on the work. So give them that feedback as they go along in the process. Make sure they're applying the coaching that you've given them and actually implementing it and moving forward. And your tip for this to help you maximize the transition from feedback to coaching is your employees will follow a plan that they write. So as you develop a plan of training and a plan of action, have them write the plan. Don't write it for them. This is where you start to delegate. Have them write the plan, give them the ownership, give them the pen, let them write, let them execute. Because when they've written that plan, they now have ownership in it, and there's a higher chance they're going to follow that plan. Mistake number three that I often see, entrepreneurs, as they start to hire and build and scale their team, They start to think that they're not in sales. Sales is not a dirty word. We are all in sales. If you have kids, at some point, you persuaded them to go to bed at a certain hour. You persuaded them to eat their vegetables. 
If you're married or you're dating, you convince somebody else to spend time with you, that you were the right person to hang out with and to go on dates with and spend their life with. So we're all in sales at some point, and there's nothing wrong with it. So what we don't want to do as entrepreneurs, as we're starting to build and scale our teams, is thinking that what we're doing, there's not a sales process involved in it, right? As you build a team, you're in sales mode. So the solution is that you have to be prepared to always be ready to promote the value of your company and what's going on. So your solution is to always be selling. And of course, there is a right way to do it, right? We want to have humility. We want to present it professionally. You know, there's definitely a way for us to present things. But you have to forget that as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you're always going to be selling the value of what you're building. So your solution is to make sure you're always ready to promote your vision and your core values. Because not only do your customers need to see it and hear it, your employees need to see it and hear it. And your future employees need to see it and hear it, right? That's all part of the employer brand. So you always need to be ready to promote and talk about your vision and your core values. You also need to be ready to always promote the culture, the culture that you're building, the culture of where business is headed, and why it's a great place to work. And third, you need to make sure that you are promoting the impact that your business makes, right? Communicate what the why is and how your business is making an impact and making a difference. So here's your tip for this particular mistake. Sales isn't about what you do. It's about the problems you solve. And if you look at that across everything you do as an entrepreneur building a business, that will help you reframe the process. So you're not selling somebody to come work for you. You're going to sell them on the problem that you solve for them whether it's professional development, whether it's career trajectory, whether it's a great culture, whether it's flexibility in the work environment, or it's all of the above. As you are recruiting and building your team, you have to show them what problems you will solve for them as their employer. Focus on the outcomes. All right, mistake number four, confusing talent acquisition with recruiting. This is very common. Talent acquisition and recruiting are two very different activities. They support each other, They come into the same ecosystem, but they are two separate activities. Recruiting is settling for what is available right now in the talent market. Recruiting is saying, somebody has quit. I have to fill this role today because I didn't know they were quitting. Or my business has ramped up so quickly and so fast, I need to bring on a staff accountant or I need to bring on a customer service representative. So recruiting is settling for what is available now to fill the role. Talent acquisition is cultivating the talent that you will need in anticipation of growth and future needs. Again, talent acquisition is cultivating the talent that you are going to need in the future in anticipation of growth and future needs. So how do you do this? Know your most important roles. Nurture those relationships. Now, these are not with people that are working for you right now, right? Build your relationships with people that you would like to hire in the future. Get them in your ecosystem. Nurture those relationships, right? Choose five to seven ideal candidates for the role and build that relationship with them so that when you are ready to hire, you already have a warm pool of candidates to go to and say, hey, I've got an opportunity, let's talk. Much better way to build your team on the talent acquisition side. Mistake number five, confusing underperformance with bad leadership. Now, we definitely live in a world today where leadership and leaders, we have to be more accountable, not only to our team, but to ourselves. And so oftentimes, if an employee is underperforming, We want to look to ourselves first 
to see, have we done everything we can to support this employee? Is it because of my leadership or my lack of leadership that this employee is failing? And sometimes the answer is yes, but not always. Okay, It's not always bad leadership. There is a certain percentage of time where the underperformance is employee-related. So how do you fix this? What's your solution? Well, you need to lead with intention. So if you're always leading with intention, then your leadership will be supportive in the employee's success, right? So make sure you have a rich visualization of what success looks like and that you're communicating that. Make sure you're hiring the talent that is most likely to help your company get to where you need it to get. As a leader, make sure you are very explicit about the expectations of the role of the company and what success looks like. And of course, make sure that you continue to keep them up to date with real-time feedback and coaching, right? That's all some of the things in leadership we need to be doing when we're bringing a team along. Again, your leadership could be spot on and you're still having underperformance. And at that point, you have to shift out of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, is it my leadership that's causing this problem? To, is my employee the problem and are they causing their own underperformance? And learning how to diagnose that it can be a bit of a challenge. So here's the bonus section for today. We're going to get into the roots of underperformance, and we're going to talk about a few of the employee-centered causes that may be creating underperformance. And this is going to give you the foundation and the framework to start looking at employees and determining whether or not you believe their underperformance is due to them and not necessarily leadership issues. All right, so the roots of underperformance. There are four types of underperformance that we see typically. Type one, this is a situation where the employee's quality and quality of work is unsatisfactory. And from what you can see, there are no extenuating circumstances. There's no reason that you can see on its face of why the employee's quality of work should be subpar, right? They show up to work on time. They have all the tools they need. They've had training. They've had coaching. Right? There's no extenuating circumstances that you can see that are creating a legitimate reason why the employee's quality of work is substandard. So that's type number one. Type number two, this is a situation where your employees have off-the-job problems that are starting to influence their work performance. And there's a variety of off-the-job problems that could be impacting your employee. I mean, let's always remember that as human beings, we are always going through something, each and every one of us. Right? None of us are exempt from this thing we call life. But what it boils down to is how do we handle those problems in our personal life? Do they bleed over into our professional life? Are we still able to do our work to the best of our ability, even though we're dealing with something? But some major issues that can impact your employee's ability to perform at the standards required are things like alcoholism, drug abuse, financial health, or family problems. Right, Those are the four big ones that can really impact an employee's ability to do their job correctly because the mental strain on them is dragging them down or they're showing up to work hungover or they have a drug abuse problem or they are financially strapped they can't make ends meet and that ends a whole level of additional stress to their life. Had a client one time, they were a distribution facility and one of their warehouse workers was coming into work. He was always a little bit late, 15, 20 minutes. But he also was just very, very slow on the job, always looked exhausted, always looked tired, did not move very quickly, just kind of, you know, moseyed through the day. And, and so we finally sat down with him and started figuring out what was going on because, you know, the rest of his coworkers were getting very frustrated because they felt that they were having to pick up the slack for him. 
And he finally admitted that, you know, when he leaves that job, he goes to a, a grocery distribution facility and has a night job there. So he works a swing shift after he leaves his, his employer. Well, he goes home, has dinner, takes about an hour nap, he said. And then he goes to another job, a night job. And he gets off from there at about 5 or 6 a.m. And he grabs a cup of coffee and he heads over to his day job. So, of course, he's going to be exhausted because he's working almost 24 hours a day. And he said he was doing that because he was in financial trouble and he needed to earn more money. So you can see how these problems do bleed into the professional environment. So where we see employees underperforming, we are going to have to have that tough conversation and start finding out what's going on. You know, is it strictly that you cannot do the job or do you have something else going on that's impacting your ability to do the job? Okay. Situation number three of uh, roots of underperformance. This is a situation where there's been a deliberate violation of the law or a deliberate violation of company rules or regulations. Categories or, or different situations that occur is you have theft from the employer, you have fighting on the job, falsification of records, conflict of interest come up, harassment that employees harassing other people or their safety infractions, right? So that is a clear underperformance issue. And that one is pretty black and white. So uh, usually there's not a whole lot of gray area in that. You know, again, an example I can give you is I've worked with a client. They were a food processing facility and their night driver, he just pushed the envelope on the rules. And one night uh, he came into the plant at about 11 o'clock to pick up the order. And he violated about five company rules in one evening, all of which got him fired within the next week after an investigation was completed. But five rule violations in one, even, in one evening, including a big safety violation, he allowed a friend to drive the company truck. Not an employee, a friend who wasn't on the insurance, had no employment with this particular company, no ties to this company, and cameras confirmed that he allowed a complete stranger to the company to drive the company vehicle. So that deliberate violation of a company policy was very black and white. There was definitive proof, so the company fired him. The fourth root of underperformance is situations where there have been repeated minor violations of company rules and regulations or performance problems that have not been responded to after you've addressed them. So this is like the a death by a thousand paper cuts, right? That particular employee continues to have just these very small minor violations. And, you know, it can be tardiness, right? It can be you know, showing up tardy three or four or five times in a row. And, you know, after after the first one, you have a conversation with that employee and say, look, I really need you here at 9, 9 a.m. Okay, I understand. And they, for a few days, they get there by 9 a.m. And then they start to creep back to 9.05, 9.10, You have that conversation again. They get better for a couple days. Then it happens a third time. Now you write them up. So these minor violations that just continue to repeat themselves and build. And this also could be, related to minor safety infractions, right? The simple infraction of in a food facility, not wearing your hairnet or not putting on gloves, right? These minor violations that add up. And if they start to add up too much and you've coached, you've counseled, you've followed a process, that's underperformance. All of that is underperformance and it has to be dealt with. And if the underperformance isn't fixed, if the minor violations don't get fixed, well, you might be forced to, to terminate them. And you have to remember this. Nobody likes to terminate employees. It's never fun. And it's really never easy, right? Because it's somebody's life. 
But you need to remember this if you're going to scale and grow your business and have employees. If you do your job as a leader and you have done everything you can to help them succeed and you've done everything you can to make sure they're trained properly, to make sure that they have the tools they need to do the job and they have the support and they get the coaching. If you've done all of that and they don't meet you halfway, they don't step up to the plate, they don't embrace the opportunity, they don't push to be better, they don't implement what they're trained on and do their job to the best of their ability and and achieve the success levels, that termination, that firing, they've done it to themselves. You just have to be the one to tell them that. But they essentially, they fire themselves because they have underperformed. They have chosen not to, to do their best work. They have chosen not to implement the coaching they're given. They have chosen not to utilize the tools that you've given them as an employer. So when it comes time to that termination conversation, just remember, they're terminating themselves. They've already done it by their actions. You just have to be ready to tell them, I'm sorry, but you are terminated. It is so important that if you're going to grow and scale a team that you do not confuse underperformance with bad leadership. They are two separate categories. Bad leadership, that's on you. That's on me. That's on us to fix to help our employees. But if we're doing everything we can as a leader to help them and they're underperforming, We need to diagnose it from the employee's perspective. Why are they not achieving success? Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I would love for you to give us a review, rate and review us. Would love to get your feedback. And if there's any questions or any topics you would like me to cover moving forward, please feel free to email me with that question and I'll be happy to make that a podcast topic. You know, and also we do publish this podcast every single week. So like and subscribe to the podcast. This way you know when it's published every week. And last but not least, if you know somebody that could benefit from this information, do me a favor and do them a favor, grab the link to the podcast, send them a text and say, hey, I just listened to this podcast on the top five mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're hiring a team and scaling. I think you would benefit from it. Share the podcast. My mission is to impact as many entrepreneurs as possible, help them hire employees, help them build great work environments and make sure that Mondays matter. All right, that's it for this podcast. We will see you next week.